Welcome back for episode 91 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find us. Darren and Shannon back with you. And after a long hiatus, wherever he was hiding out, Kevin, happy to have Kevin back with us. Good to be back. It has been a while. I'd like to know when the last time was. Uh, I have it written November, down somewhere. December? I'm trying to think if I was in December. Maybe not. Let's see if I can find my part, you know, sparsely written down records here somewhere during the show. Going to do the big Super Bowl preview episode. If you listen to our other show, whichever order you're listening, this is a rare double episode week. Andrew wanted to come on and talk NBA trade deadline with the big news with KD, Kyrie, and all the other names that were on the move. So this one, we're going to focus on the Super Bowl, maybe do a bit of a NASCAR preview at the end and see what else these two have on their sports radar. But first, the the greatest 91 to ever play pro sports. Who comes to mind? Dennis Rodman. Was he 91? He might have been 91. I think we talked about this last week with the other host, that 90. Like, 90 was all defensive linemen. 91 is very uh, convenient today because I believe Vladimir Tereshenko, who was traded from the Blues to the Rangers, NBA getting all the trade love, but NHL had a big move with Tereshenko going on the move. I believe he wears 91. Hockey players love 90s numbers. Hard to beat Dennis Rodman. My middle school football jersey was number 91. (laughs) That's close. We can go with that. Uh, NFL honors are coming out today as we're recording this. Patrick Mahomes won the MVP, if anybody's surprised by that. Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year. Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. Garrett Wilson, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Sauce Gardner, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Geno Smith, Comeback Player of the Year. Brian Dable, Coach of the Year. Anything there surprising you or stand out? That all makes sense. So Justin Jefferson is the offensive player of the year, despite an offensive player being the MVP. Is that what I, I heard? Didn't they basically just decide that MVP is always going to be a quarterback, so they come up with another award for... So anything but quarterback, right. the offensive player of the year. Which Justin Jefferson makes sense. I can't think who would have had a better year. There was no like stud running back performances. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously, had big numbers, and I don't know where he ranks from, like, catches and yards. But he had a huge stretch where he was not scoring any touchdowns early in the season after he had that super good game against the Packers to start out with. And then he went a super long time. He was still getting, like, a bunch of yards, but he had no touchdowns for a really long time. So 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, 88 receptions. So it's kind of interesting. Travis Kelsey and Stephon Diggs had better numbers. But they won Jefferson. So did Wait so a minute, Tyree Hill. I had the wrong no. I had the wrong seasons. I saw Calvin Ridley's name and I was like, he definitely didn't put up numbers <laughs> this year. Uh, 128 receptions, 1,800 yards, and like you said, only eight touchdowns. So kind of middle of the pack, but yeah, definitely led in yards and receptions. He has really good sunglasses. That makes though. more sense. No, congratulations to those guys. Not a lot of like you say, not a lot of surprises there. But Mahomes, the man, the two-time MVP, will be leading the Chiefs into the Super Bowl. So we can get into depth on this. We have plenty of facts to go into. But your first knee-jerk reaction, Eagles-Chiefs Super Bowl, is the first thing that comes to mind. From my personal standpoint, I like that I don't really have a preference of who wins. So I hope I can just enjoy the game without hoping one team wins. Um, both teams have won fairly recently. So you kind of take out the the underdog who hasn't done it in a long time, any of that stuff. Um Obviously, star player with Patrick Mahomes and plenty of really good players, but 
you have a lot of good role players on both teams. Eagles have a lot of guys that have not been anywhere near this type of stage. So see how they come out. And even the Chiefs, a lot of turnover the last few years in some of those key positions, young guys at running back. Um, a lot of newness, even though the teams have been around. So um, exciting game. I think it should be fairly competitive. I have one team winning by 10 points, so not coming Ooh. down to the very finish. But, um, yeah. The uh, the immediate thing that jumps out to me, knee-jerk-wise, Darren, is had you parlayed the bet that I told you would happen in the title games, you could have paid off all of your neighbor's mortgages and then had some left over to buy a yacht and a swimming pool. Um because I told you that the NFL wanted Andy Reid to have his rematch against Philadelphia where he coached. And so it only made sense that both teams covered the spread and you would have had like plus 264 on that parlay. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing that actually matters about the game is Philadelphia's defensive line is going to give Kansas City a lot of headaches. And, and I don't see how... Kansas City's defensive line is able to abuse Philly's offensive line in the way that they were against Cincinnati. And and there is going to be the difference where there's going to be enough pressure on Mahomes to where there's a mistake made at some point in the game. Maybe maybe the Chiefs are down three and driving and Mahomes throws a pick six and now all of a sudden it's that 10-point game that Kevin talked about, and maybe they get a late touchdown to, to keep it closer than that. Um, I have a hard time seeing Kansas City covering the spread. It's a one-and-a-half tonight. Give me Philadelphia to cover the spread pretty easily in this game. I just don't think Kansas City has the weapons up front to to block or protect. Uh, offensively and defensively, I just don't think they're going to be able to get through that line in Philadelphia. Well, I'm kind of surprised you guys both sound like you're going Eagles. I'm leaning more Chiefs on this. Some numbers to go to what you were talking about there. The Chiefs had the number one scoring offense in the league this year. Eagles had the number two scoring offense. Eagles with a little bit better scoring defense. They were eighth on the def- uh, scoring side of the ball. I don't really get all that invested in the other numbers. It's about your your scoring for me. That being said, there's some fun. The Chiefs' number one passing offense Kind of a pedestrian rushing offense. Eagles much more balanced, being in the top 10 in both rushing and passing offenses. The Chiefs, second in sacks. Eagles, first in sacks. Those defensive lines, we can go more in-depth on that. The the two defensive lines here I think are going to make this game. One that stands out, you always hear coaches and GMs and players talk about the turnover differential. The Eagles were third in turnover differential this year. I believe they were plus 10. Kansas City is minus three, so a little concerning there. Kansas City is going to be in this. They're going to have to have... Basically a mistake-free game. The Eagles, sixth in interceptions, eighth in points allowed, fifth in rushing yards. So it's uh, kind of those numbers do stand up in the Eagles' favor, except for the Chiefs have the ultimate trump card. That is Patrick Mahomes, a guy who, under crunch time, he's going to be the one to look to. Nobody on the Eagles can match what Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to do. So I'm with you guys. I'm thinking a close game, but I'm I'm going Chiefs. I think a competitive game. I Calling a 10-point margin, I think they'll blow me away either way. Be ready to be blown away. <laughs> the The last five Super Bowls, last year was really the only close one we have. So the Rams beat the uh, Bengals 23-20, to and Cincinnati was in there till the very end. 
The Buccaneers destroyed the Chiefs by 22. The Chiefs beat the Niners by 11. The Patriots beat the Rams by 10. And then the Eagles and Patriots was an eight-point game. And then the the Falcons falling apart was the one before that, so that was pretty close. But the last five, only one really close game at the end of it. The other thing to keep in mind with Kansas City is their secondary is beat up really bad. And Legereus Sneed, uh, he got he got uh, quite the concussion in that title game. Now, I'm not sure if he's cleared protocol on his back playing or not. Um, but they had McDuffie lined up in the slot playing corner that night, and he had never played there before in his life. And so he looked lost. So I'm just curious to know if Snead is back. If he's not back, that really gives Philadelphia a huge advantage with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith um, going against a beat-up secondary. So even though you have a young quarterback that has not been in that situation before, his weapons are going to be open in in Mahomes clearly the advantage at quarterback, but not having the same caliber of weapons that uh Jalen Hurts does. I thought I saw Sneed was back in. I had this pulled up earlier today. I want to get to some of the fun facts about the rosters here in a little bit. But Sneed is listed as questionable, Jalen Watson being his backup. Yeah, I hope he does play because you want teams to be as close to full strength as they can be. Talking about that, one thing that I thought was fun, I looked at these rosters today and kind of who they drafted based on how they worked in free agency. One thing that really stands out for the Eagles is how well they drafted on their offense, but how well they built the defense on the other side of the ball, whereas the Chiefs are kind of a flip. On the offensive side, they've only drafted five of these starters, guys like Mahomes and Kelsey, and then they drafted nine of their defensive starters. So the Chiefs defense has been around. These are homegrown guys. I believe Justin Reed and is it Saunders are the only ones that they've actually gone through free agency. And the story of the Eagles is how it's been all free agency. That defense was built on these fantastic moves. I don't think they get enough credit, the Eagles, for how they built that defense. Javon Hargrave, Hassan Reddick, Kaiser White, Robert Quinn, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and James Bradbury among them. Kind of Those are kind of the main names that I pulled out. This Eagles team is all built through free agency on the defensive side, but they drafted 10 of their 11 offensive starters, which I think is amazing to think about how well this Eagles team does drafting one side. And they got that, if you can build that offense right through the draft and they have guys going back, I think Jason Kelsey or uh, Lane Johnson, one of those guys was drafted way back in 2011 and is still doing their thing. AJ Brown's the only offensive starter that they had to go outside the team to find. I don't know if that means anything, but I just think it's fun to look at the way these rosters are built and kind of flip-flops of each other. I would like to know if their uh, Eagles GM has been around the last five, six, seven years or whoever does their drafting because as as you're kind of laying out there, their team has been built really well and really quickly from the teardown that they had not all that long ago. So to go through that, go all the way back down to the bottom back up so quickly with such good players and it's drafting – Getting a guy like A.J. Brown, a great addition to have to go with everything else they have, just really well built. And the pieces complement each other, not just good players, but guys whose skills complement each other. So really good job that they've been doing. So the Eagles GM is Howie Roseman. He has he's been some role with the team since 2000. He became the GM in 2019. Well, He's had different roles. He was the GM in 2010 and then has had various roles. So yeah, you could really give Howie Roseman credit for 
building this entire team for the last decade plus. There are five starters from the Chiefs Super Bowl team a couple of years ago that are starting in this game. How many of those five can you name? Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Shannon can go next. Good, <laughs> say good job. You got the two easy ones. Which I think the lesson here is just how crazy, how fast these NFL rosters change and how often guys move around. Because this was only the 2019 season, the 2020 Super Bowl that these guys were in. So you got Mahomes and Kelsey. So I missed the question. My internet froze, and so I don't know what you're talking about. So there are five starters, starter being the key word, from the last Chiefs Super Bowl win. Frank Clark. Nice pull. Frank Clark is number three. Chris Jones. Chris Jones is four. You got the four that I thought you'd get. If you guys are able to pull out the fifth one, you would. I'd blow my mind. Does Harrison Bucher count? Is he their kicker? He was probably, but I would. Uh, I was thinking. Don't count him. Defensive players. Kickers Bad are Joe. people too. <laughs> Is he really a Chiefs fan? Is that legitimate? I I think for the price he got paid that night, he was a Chiefs fan. <laughs> He's happy to wear a Kansas City hat. Yeah. Um, Butker and Townsend were both there at the time. How about uh, how about uh, the linebacker Sorensen? Uh, he he was there. He's not there now. Oh. Yeah. Their their secondary is like all young rookies. I know their DBs were. I didn't realize linebackers were all young. Uh, Sorensen was kind of one of those weird safety. half safety half linebacker. Yeah. I will I will say this other guy is a defensive lineman. And he's he's definitely not the big name that Frank Clark and Chris Jones are. But to answer your question, Harrison Butker was on that team. So if you want to call it six. Yes, six. I got three. Excellent. No idea who the other guy would be on defensive line. Derek Nottie. It's kind of like the rotational defensive tackle. That was our next guess. You just need yeah. to give us enough time. T- tip of my tongue. No. I don't know if this is harder or easier, but the Eagles have four guys who started on their 2018 championship team that are starting in this game. Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey's one. Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson, two. Derek Barnett. Is not on the... But you were on the right side of the ball. I I will narrow it down and say they are defensive linemen. Defensive players, I should say. This is not an answer to the question, but you uh, you were talking about the free agents for the Eagles, and Darius Slay would be another one that's uh, really peaked late in his career here. Yeah, the, he came over a couple of years ago, and looking at their roster, like he said, Darius Slay, another guy in that, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury, Hassan Reddick, Kaiser White, uh, Javon Hargrave, and then even the bench guys that they found. I, I do need to be corrected. Derek Barnett is still on the team, but he is on IR. But to get guys like Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph and Robert Quinn, you mentioned that defensive line. As much as I'm picking the Chiefs, what does scare me is that the Eagles do feel a little bit like that Tampa Bay team that destroyed the Chiefs' offensive line. They just have a platoon of defensive linemen they can throw at Patrick Mahomes. Thankfully for Mahomes, the offensive line for the Chiefs is far improved from what it was back then and and some fantastic guys with Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown up front. But uh, back to our question at hand, still two starters on the defensive side of the ball we're trying to name. One I figured you'd get pretty easy, and another one I could see being a little tougher because he's 
He's been a great player in the NFL, but he's not a household name guy. Is there a guy in the last name Scott that's in this list? Uh, Bart Scott is not here. Not Bart Scott, no. Oh. I'm trying to think who you're thinking of. Boston Scott is a running back. That's the running back. Maybe I'm mixing people up. So we have. He's a good third option at running back, though. Yeah. But yeah. So Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, and Miles Sanders. I uh, don't think any of them were there. I don't even remember who the running back was that year. But one they of these. had a guy from. Where's he at? Like the guy from the Dolphins, maybe? The guy who's a running back back then, like a trade or something like that. Jay Ajayi. Yeah, oh, wow. he was a great fantasy football player for uh, for a couple of years. Look it up. I bet yeah, you I'm right. A, trying to think of Yeah, it's probably him. He's probably there. He probably had another running back too, but that's probably the guy I'm thinking of. I forget. Yeah, I forgot like Jay Ajayi was a. Oh, they had, uh, they had the running back from uh, um, the, the Oregon, the punched, the Boise State guy. Who was that? What's his name? Like Garrett Blunt. So they're, Garrett Blunt, yeah. Yeah, their roster that year was Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Barner, LeGarrette Blunt, Corey Clement, and Wendell Smallwood. I have to imagine Jay Ajayi was the main running back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, probably. So the two names that you did not get are Fletcher Cox, the defensive tackle. Oh, duh. I figured that would have been the easy one. And then maybe the tougher one was Brandon Graham, which has been kind of a beast as an outside linebacker edge rusher for them. Asan Redick is the guy that I think most worries me as a Chiefs supporter in this. He's He was a monster already in the playoffs, and people don't talk about him enough. He was with the Cardinals and during some of their down years and with the Panthers, you're not going to get attention. But if, if you are just kind of tuning in for the Super Bowl and don't know a lot of these guys, watch out for Hassan Reddick. He's going to be a beast. And I think weirdly wears number seven as an outside linebacker. LeGarrette Blunt had 90 yards and JGI had 57 in that Super Bowl. Dynamic one-two punch. Punch. <laughs> <laughs> It almost makes me wonder if Jay Ajayi was on the Boise State team when LeGarrette Blunt punched that guy, but they're probably too far apart in age difference to make that a reality. Yeah, I feel like LeGarrette Blunt was older, so LeGarrette Blunt was born in 86, Ajayi was born in 93. Yeah, so they did not. He was not there. But, um, and I don't know if this means anything as well. Maybe this is more for your gamblers out there, but I looked up who scored first in the last 10 Super Bowls. The team that scored first is seven and three in the last 10 Super Bowls. So whatever that's worth, if, if your bet swings wildly, wait till that first score, which is most likely to be a field goal. That's another thing I looked up in the last several Super Bowls. The first points on the board were a field goal. So if there's some bet you can get in there. Sounds like a van payment's about to get made. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. I, thought you I spent way too much time watching a TikTok yesterday trying to decide what the first song during halftime will be and all the keys, the the three or four rules this guy goes by to decide which song. And he's gotten seven of the last eight first songs right. So he, uh, he was going with uh, Don't Stop the Music. So in case you guys, I don't know where you can bet on the first songs being played, but uh you can that's that's what he was going with that's an expert in the first song of the super bowl now you got me looking up rihanna songs to figure out what'll be the because you can't start with umbrella too big of a hit <sighs> that was up there disturbia i think was one of the ones with the oh yeah the odds Classic. up there the don't stop the music was the number two on the odds i had seen Ooh, i'm going what's my name that sounds, like a, that sounds like a good opening song diamonds 
Whatever, whatever the bet is, I'm going to go with what's my name. Hundred dollars. Is is there bets on who's going to be the surprise guests? I saw someone saying that they think it will be a solo show. Ooh. The first solo show since like maybe JT was the only other person that's done one like the last ten years or something like that. I don't know why the reason for that was. I didn't. I didn't get too far into it. But I think everybody. But, uh, I guess you can bet on solo shows. I think you have to have a... fun to have multiple people. What else do we have for fun prop bets for the Super Bowl? Let's see here. I have not looked too deep into the the totally random bets yet, but uh, I feel pretty good about um, DraftKings had uh, Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders anytime rushing touchdown. One of those two plus one hundred. Feel pretty good about that. The the Gatorade color is yellow or green, basically lemon lime. Um, Ja Morant more assists or Travis Kelsey more receptions? Is there actual basketball games being played that day? Always basketball. Yeah, probably games. early in the day. Something. It's a Sunday. They like to play in the afternoon on Sundays. True. Oh, here you go, Darren. Here's one up right up your alley. Volkanovski total rounds versus Chiefs total touchdowns. So the Chiefs would have to score five touchdowns. Hmm. Do you, basically, do you think the Chiefs will score more than four touchdowns? Yep. No. <laughs> not going to. And then same with the Eagles. Is so Volkanovski talk- total rounds and the Eagles touchdowns? I mean, as somebody who's picking the Chiefs and Volkanovski to win, I like that one better. So I think Volkanovski is going to go the distance. Or or get a late knockout. I don't think Makachev's gonna fall early. So give me give me that one because the Eagles aren't gonna score. Need to really dig into all the random stuff like this in the next forty eight hours. Don't you guys any non quarterback to have one passing touchdown is plus twenty two hundred. Eagles, right? They got they gotta do the same thing they did however many years ago. So who do they have that can throw the ball? That's the key. Let me look up stats on how good those guys are at throwing the football. See if any of those guys have thrown passes. How many other players on their team have thrown passes this year? They have Britton Covey as a backup wide receiver. Why do I feel like he was a quarterback at some point in life? Let's put a bow on this. Your Super Bowl prediction is score and winner. At work, I took the Eagles 27-17. to 17. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to see Eagles 24-20. to 20. I'll be the odd man out here. Chiefs, 27-17. They're going to get after Mahomes. He's going to be smarter. He's going to be better. He's going to make plays. He's going to be the MVP and the superhero. And the Eagles, despite how great their defense will be, the offense will not keep them in this one. The Chiefs will have an answer for the Eagles' offense. One thing for you to think about, Darren, as you you talked about the Buccaneers-Chiefs game a couple years ago, and I think it's going to look a lot like that outside of the Eagles not scoring a bunch of points to kind of pull it away pretty early. The Eagles have more. You talked about how they were the top in sacks in the league. They had more sacks than the Bengals and the Jaguars combined did this season. So the the pressure that possibly still somewhat hurt Mahomes is going to be facing is significantly more. The offensive line needing to block people is going to be significantly greater. Um, obviously you're not going to keep Kelsey blocking too long on plays. He likes to block a little bit and release. 
Um, it's very hard to just half block the Eagles players and just with your guys and putting one of your running backs, a rookie running back back there trying to block the guys who are going to be coming after Mahomes is going to be very difficult. Um, he's going to have to pull a lot of those, like he, you know, he had miracle looking plays back in that Super Bowl. It just led to nothing. And so he's going to have to kind of do that without having receivers to throw the ball to um, really banged up there. So if Kelsey doesn't have a ton of ton of stats, I don't think he's going to have anyone to throw the ball to. He's not going to have time to get to anybody. And those guys are not going to be getting open against the secondary the Eagles have. So I'm going to say it's going to look a lot like that Buccaneers Chiefs Super Bowl where the Eagles are really just beating up on the Chiefs offense. And eventually Eagles offensive line will wear down the Chiefs defense to, to get some touchdown drives late. I don't like that fact because it goes against my pick. That's fine. It's a very good point. That does not help my case. The one, the one thing, the one hesitation I have is that the Eagles basically didn't have to do a single thing in the last game. And when you kind of break down the, they were playing against no quarterback. They got a gift touchdown right before halftime. The first touchdown shouldn't have counted because the guy didn't catch the ball. Um, In the second half, they had a touchdown after, the 49ers roughed the punter. And so they have three touchdowns that they could have easily not had. And that game would have been really close down to the end. Now the Eagles didn't have to do much, so they didn't try much. But Jalen Hurts did not really look like he was great at throwing the ball. A lot of their pass plays, he was simply just tossing the ball up in the air, and it was not being very accurately thrown to his receivers. He barely had 100 yards passing. Um, so even though he didn't have to do a lot and they didn't have to push the envelope, they didn't look great on offense, even though they were getting points. Um, a lot of those points were the lucky bounce for them and the, the injuries at quarterback for the 49ers. Um, meanwhile, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, what's his name, Spagnola. I really like him. Um, it seems like the Chiefs never have super good players on defense. They have decent players, but they get a lot more out of their team than maybe you would think just based off of who they have on their roster. So that'd be my one hesitation that maybe the Eagles offense is not not ready to do much and the chiefs defense can get after him a little bit more. Um, but I, I'll say the Eagles and it's uh, comfortably. Mm. These are all really good points that don't, uh, don't boost my confidence. Good. Um, Still time to change it. Betting wise, at least uh, too late for your pride. <laughs> Getting back to your uh, somebody non quarterback throwing a touchdown. The Chiefs' third-string tight end is Blake Bell, as you may remember as the Bell Dozer at Oklahoma, who is a it's the type of thing they're going to need when they're uh, in trouble and not having much going. I don't know how you work him into the game when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, unless he's really good and can run, maybe you throw him the ball. But I feel like uh, if someone's going to catch the ball and run, Jalen Hurts is probably going to be that guy. And a, a good trick play. I don't know if you're going to run a play where you're have a receiver tossing a bomb down the field, but to another well, receiver, but who saw Nick Foles catching a touchdown reception. Everybody America just saw that. He's really good. He's All right. Well, we're excited for the Super Bowl. It feels very wide open despite our different opinions here and a lot of confidence for Eagles fans. I'll, I'll ride with the chiefs and just looking forward to the game ready for the Super Bowl. It's been a great NFL season. Uh, excited to see how it all comes to an end. Uh, other big news: we talked about the NFL awards. 
but we also had the Hall of Fame class announced right while we were doing this. And a, a very defense-heavy class, a lot of big names from the last couple decades. Your inductees, Darrell Rivas, not all that surprising there with him, the cornerback. Joe Thomas, the greatest offensive lineman probably since Anthony Munoz. DeMarcus Ware, not at all surprising to see him get in. The other two, I, maybe a bit of a surprise, Zach Thomas and Rondé Barber. I feel like Zach Thomas is kind of that guy right there on a line. You know, better than Zach Thomas in the Hall of Fame, not as good as Zach Thomas, not in the Hall of Fame. I think he's kind of the barometer. Rondé Barber, a little bit surprising for me. And then the senior inductees, defensive lineman Joe Klecko from the 70s and 80s. Linebacker Chuck Halley is mostly known for winning a Super Bowl MVP with the Cowboys. Ken Riley, a fantastic defensive back who doesn't get enough respect. And uh, the second player from which team to get inducted into the Hall of Fame? Jets. Kind of figured Shannon would be all over this one. I don't don't know uh, what team. There are only two Bengals in the NFL Hall of Fame. No way. Anthony Munoz and Ken Riley are the only two Cincinnati Bengals in Canton. Seriously, that's crazy. May change in the wake of Joe Burrow and company. And then from the coaching category, Don uh, Don Coriel, which is kind of surprising. He's finally just made it. But Eric Coriel was kind of innovated offense back. I think it was the 60s and into 70s with uh, Dan Fouts kind of leading the way. Don Coriel was this offensive mastermind, a fun wizard of a coach. So congratulations to all those guys for getting into the Hall of Fame. Very exciting stuff. It's kind of uh, kind of getting to the point where you remember a lot of these guys when they were first in the league and first starting to be good players. And now not only are they out of the league, but now they're in the hall of fame. That's not good for the trying to not feel old category. <laughs> right. All right. Anything else, Super Bowl or NFL related that we need to get to before we move on here to Kevin's topic of choice. Anybody watch the pro bowl? I was going to, yeah, I forgot about that. I watched like a little bit and then I saw that Tyler Huntley was the quarterback and I thought, what is happening that he's the one in the pro bowl. Tyler Huntley and uh, the quarterback who is basically just getting dropped by his team, Derek Carr. Those, those guys are playing in the pro bowl. That's uh, that seems kind of strange when you're not even playing a real game and the guys out there are perennial backups and guys who are slightly above average and his team is just getting rid of him. So that was a little strange, but whatever, no one really cares anyway. I mean, the guys seem to be having fun as long as the fans enjoy it and the players enjoy it. And I have to imagine they got a nice, long, luxurious paid trip to go to Vegas to be a part of it. So, well, Miles Garrett got hurt. So maybe it's time to uh, still cut back one more level on the level of this. I mean, we should get back to uh, the good old days where the, the quarterbacks do the, the long throw and then they try to hit those moving targets on a golf cart. Like those are the only two competitions we need. That was so. And all fun the other guys can hang out, and maybe they can do some really small stuff. But those are the things you need. We just need quarterbacks just chucking as far as they can, and then we need to see them hitting some moving targets. And that's that's all we need. That'd be better. I feel like that was sponsored by Snapple. I remember watching that all the time as a kid. I feel like Snapple was the sponsor. Because what did they do this year? They did the flag football. Was there maybe dodgeball? Some other stuff. There's dodgeball. They did a long drive competition with a bunch of guys who had never really like, hit golf balls before, which. I don't you know, maybe it's supposed to be humorous or something. Um, so they had a long drive, dodgeball, uh, obstacle course, the flag football. I mean, there's probably a number of other things. I felt like there's a lot of stuff fun, and I wasn't really paying attention. But So I don't know. If the players do like it, maybe people did watch it, that it'll work out. But 
I'd rather see that in an all-star competition now. Baseball's mostly got it right. NBA does a really good job with it. Hockey, nobody appreciates. Hockey's kind of the experimental one with these, and they have their fun three-on-three hockey that they play now. Is watched a little bit of that, and it was, it was some decent competition, some better than others. They do a lot of fun things that I think a lot of these other leagues watch and try to implement. So I think NFL is kind of the last one to the party. I'm all for them experimenting and trying new things. So I think it'll be fun going forward instead of a them half speed through a game. All right, Kevin, you ready to talk about NASCAR? Absolutely. So this is when we turn to Shannon for expertise here. The NASCAR season is upon us. Daytona 500, just a few days away. Uh, we did have the weird race that they do at the Los, uh, Los Angeles Coliseum that I'm still deciding whether or not I like. We're going to kind of go hear some of the main teams and talk about the big names, some of the major changes, and going to go with the go alphabetical by car maker here and talk about some of the top teams. Your Chevrolet cars, the the big Chevrolet team, Hendrick. You've got Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron, and Alex Bowman. So from what I can tell, not a lot of changes with the Hendrick garage. Yeah, they've got to be the favorites going into the season with along with Gibbs, which you'll get to in a little bit. But uh, cream of the crop, they've got all the money. They've got the best drivers. So uh, should look for another dominating season out of Hendrick. Is it time for William Byron or Alex Bowman to both kind of potentially be in the put up or shut up category with all those resources? That's fair. Chase Elliott have done like it's been enough years that these two should do something. Yeah, it, it's fair criticism. And I think Byron came on late last year to where he's probably not as it's not as critical for him to make a push in the playoffs. But Bowman definitely is going to have to probably make a round of eight to keep his keep his seat in the car. So when I was updating this uh, this NASCAR stuff, doing my deep dive into the end of the season <laughs> last year that I was doing, Bowman missed like eight races or something like that late in the season, seven races. Is that uh, impact this at all? Your thoughts on him needing to to be better than what he was, or at least his car it, was? It, it doesn't. I, um, I don't think it does. I think it just kind of goes to show like, um, if, if they're going to invest in him long-term, like they, they really need him to come out of the gate and get a nice start to the season. So I don't think it has an impact, um, but time will tell on that. Some of the other ones, uh, don't need to go real in depth on all these Doherty racing has Ricky Stenhouse in the 47, our, our fan favorite here, Ricky Stenhouse jr. AJ Allmendinger in the 16. I don't know when the 16 car became available to whoever colleague racing is, uh, Noah Gregson, then Eric Jones in the 43 Legacy Motor Club. Are we buying into Eric Jones being an actual top 10 driver? Mm, I don't know about that. I'm I'm really glad that he's got a seat in a race car because he's such a good dude. Um, really like him. I just don't know that he is. Um, yeah, I don't think he's a playoff driver, but I really like him. Finished 18th in points last year. Kind of floating around that level. Also, so Legacy Motorsports is the former Petty Motorsports. Is that the one I believe Mr. Jimmy Johnson poured a bunch of money in? Yes, it is. And will be potentially racing in the 500? Yeah, he's going to race in the 500 and, and maybe a couple other um, tracks this year. Uh, we'll see how his body readjusts to the NASCAR world after being out for a couple years. And what I think is maybe the biggest news in ride changes, Richard Childress down to two cars with the three and the eight. Austin Dillon, 
we we've talked about Austin Dillon here plenty, but Kyle Busch, my favorite, Shannon's least favorite, driving the eight car. It's going to be weird to get used to Kyle Busch not being in the eighteen car with Gibbs. I think he's been with them his entire career, at least fifteen years with Gibbs, and now going over to RCR. So what does that mean for them and Mister Bush? It means that if if Richard Childers is going to keep being um, relevant in NASCAR that this is their last chance to do it because you've got a driver who is, is certainly um, past the prime of his career, but also knows how to win races uh, on your team. So he's going to bring a lot of that knowledge of, of what does a car need in order to be successful at different tracks. He's won everywhere. And, and yeah, I pick on him because he's, a, he's a total tool, um, and like his thing is if, if you love Kyle Bush, boo, and then they all boo because he's Kyle Bush and he sucks. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, Austin Dillon has everything handed to him and he can't win a race. And so it tells you what his talent is and, and maybe Kyle Bush will kind of resurrect that team a little bit. I think Gibbs is probably just sick of his crap. Like he obviously won a lot of races, but they won the, the like, they win races without having to have Kyle Bush on the team. And so when you can move on from him, you're probably like, yeah, it was, it was fun while it lasted, but go somewhere else and stop bringing the drama. And Shannon, do you know that uh, Kyle Bush and Joey Logano had the same amount of top tens last season? That's amazing. I did not know that. 17 top tens. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. Kyle Bush just like stopped racing after August last year. Um, and then the last of the Chevy teams, and this one's kind of the more curiosity, Childress and Legacy, Hendrick, the other ones have been around, but Trackhouse last year, and you probably know more about their backstory than I do, but they got Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. Fun numbers, they have the 1 and the 99. So Chastain came out of nowhere, I think, to end up second in the points last year. And then Suarez, people have been saying for years, he's coming, he's coming, he's on the up and up, he's going to be one of the guys Finished 10th in points last year, so he's doing all right. But Trackhouse feels, and they probably have a bunch of money behind them, but they feel almost like a little engine that could because they're not from the old guard with Gibbs and Hendrick. But two very interesting drivers for the Trackhouse team. Yeah, talk about a great season. It was really fun to watch Ross Chastain come out of nowhere. And and he's always been a really good driver. Um, he just hasn't had a ride and... and uh, Trackhouse decided that that's what they were going to do. Um, they they poured a bunch of money into it, and I I can't remember right now who they were paired up with um, coming into this uh, a year ago. But they've kind of they've kind of just emulated what a different team did, and you got two good young drivers. And Chastain had a heck of a season, and Suarez finally got it done. Um, we've kind of been waiting on him, but he never had a good ride. So Trackhouse is that up-and-coming team. You kind of look at um, Roush, Fenway, Keselowski. Roush used to be a good racing team 20 years ago, and and that's petered out and is really nothing. And Childress is kind of fading as well. Trackhouse might be that team that sneaks in to compete with Gibbs and Hendrick and Stuart Haas um, to, to kind of make it um, at least one or two one or both of those guys in the in the um, race for the championship final 16 
So I'm looking up some of this history of Trackhouse, and I knew there was money behind it, but I didn't know where uh, Pitbull is one of the main investors in it. Motivational speaker Tony Robbins has a big piece of it, and they basically bought out what was left of Chip Ganassi Racing. There you go. Okay. It's a weird collection of people. Yep. <laughs> Pitbull, changing tires. Right. Yeah, and Chip Ganassi, like, standing there watching him. <laughs> Is Chip Ganassi still doing IndyCar? Isn't he still like the main IndyCar guy? Uh, Penske's probably. All right. Moving down to the Ford teams. You just mentioned RFK, Roush, Fenway, Keselowski. They do kind of feel like they're in this lull and Keselowski still driving the six, but kind of feels like he's limping towards the finish. And then Chris Busher in the 17 had the same problem with Stenhouse. I don't know. Maybe Busher will have a better season than I expect. It just feels like anybody who drives that 17 since Kenseth is decent but not really championship contender but either one of these guys is going to be in that final four push busher has a chance because because he knows how to drive a race car um and and keselowski is more focused on being the owner uh bigger picture so yeah he's driving a race car because he likes doing it but he doesn't have that fire that he had 10 years ago that passion to want to be great um so i don't expect anything out of keselowski at all this year uh, but Busher is ha, has proven the ability to drive. He just hasn't had anything, any good equipment to be in. Um, and you mentioned Stenhouse, and I can't pass up an opportunity to talk about how terrible of a driver he is. No matter how many cars are on the track, he is the worst driver every single week. Solid. Uh, it cracks me up, and I know Rick Ware Racing is not a big-time team. They're you know, one of the smaller guys. But guys like J.J. Yaley are still getting rides. There's a couple more of these we can look at as we get down here. But just amuses me that some of these guys have been around for 15, 20 years and never quite make it to the top, but somebody's still giving J.J. Yaley a ride. Uh, and then this may be the team that interests me the most, Stuart Haas with Kevin Harvick, Eric Almirola, Chase Briscoe, and Ryan Pierce. Harvick, I felt like, was really down last year, had some wins, but as an entire season, not traditional Kevin Harvick performance. Almirola is kind of up and down. Briscoe and Priest are the young guys on the up and up. This feels like a team where you could have four contenders or zero contenders, and I don't know which way it's going to go. A lot of that's going to depend on Trackhouse and Childress. Like, I I could see it. I could see that happening too, Darren. Where you've got you could get the four Stuart Haas guys in and nothing from Childress, or two of the Childress drivers could get in and. And now all of a sudden, two of the Stuart Haas guys are out. Um, it's Harvick's last year. He's been good for the sport. So NASCAR is going to make sure that he gets into that final push. Um, Almirola is in a contract year. So they've said that he's got a win or be done. Um, I'm really excited about Ryan Priest. He's been around for a, a, a minute, but hasn't had a good team around him. Um, really excited for him. He's He's one to keep your eye on this year. Uh, we had no idea a year ago that Ross Chastain was going to have the season that he did. And I'm not saying that Ryan Priest is going to finish second in the points, but I think Ryan Priest is going to be somebody that competes in a lot of races. And you'll see his name um, in that top 10 quite a bit this year. I'm just really excited about that. And then uh, did you say Chase Briscoe? Yeah, Chase Briscoe in the 14 yep. and Ryan Priest in the 41. Yeah, Briscoe's he's had a nice career. This is probably his third or fourth season in NASCAR and and he's just done a nice thing. I don't know that I don't know that I would say that he's going to make the chase over Kyle Busch um if it comes down to that, but um certainly 
expect Harvick and Almirola in there in the playoffs with hopefully Ryan Priest, who who's just kept at it and finally is getting his break. And Team Penske, another interesting one. You've got Austin Sindrick, who won the Daytona 500 last year and did surprisingly well for part of the chase. And then Ryan Blaney, another guy I keep waiting to pop, kind of like a Chris Buescher, is okay. Is this finally the year that Blaney's going to get to the top? And then the defending champion, everybody's favorite, the beloved Joey Logano. Ryan Blaney is the one that I cheer for. I like Chase Elliott's my favorite driver, but I cheer for Ryan Blaney every week because he's just a good dude and he he hasn't won it yet. Um, you'd, you'd sure like to see a year where he could pull it off and it's just going to come with consistency. That's a team that can win a lot of races um, as they go through the year. Um, Logano is the one that gets kind of all the publicity, um, but that's, that's uh, a good team to have there. They do a nice job and they always have. It's really hard to repeat as a NASCAR champion. So I, I don't think Logano is going to do it again. Um, but they certainly do a really good job as an organization of having race cars that are ready to go and, and good drivers week after week. And yeah, I, I don't like Logano. Um, he's kind of grown on me with time. Like uh, he's not whiny like he used to be, but he's still not my favorite. And moving down to the Toyotas, 23XIX11, however you want to talk about it. They got Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick, and I believe Tyler Reddick moving over here is what freed up Kyle Busch to go over to drive the number eight car, if I remember reading the news correctly. Everybody's going to jump on Bubba Wallace and talk about how great he is, and he'll finish 15th. Tyler Reddick in this 45 is the one I don't really know anything about. He finished 14th in points last year, had a couple top fives. He, I think he's in that same class with the Bushers and the and the Blaney's. Yeah, and he really did a nice job last year. Like that was kind of his breakout season to show that he belonged in NASCAR, and he did. Like he ran really well a lot of races last year. Um, he he's a good one to cheer for, and another younger driver, kind of like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, in that um that wave of drivers that's coming through now. He'll finish higher in points than Bubba because Bubba finds a way to crash about uh, half as often as Ricky Stenhouse, which is only 50% of the races instead of 100% of the races. And finishing it out here with Joe Gibbs, maybe the most powerful team, the best team right now. Denny Hamlin, one of the old guards of the sport at this point in time. Martin Truex, another guy in that group who just kind of feels like Truex is happy to be there at this point. He got his championship. Everybody loves him. I think you could say other than Chase Elliott, Martin Truex may be the most beloved driver in the fans' eyes. And then Christopher Bell, people seem to be expecting big things out of Christopher Bell. I Maybe I'm the one who's wrong here. I don't see him quite in that championship category yet. And then Ty Gibbs is the rookie in the 54. That may be the big team in the entire room. Um, that last driver, what was his name? Ty Gibbs. Yep. And, and so what do you think he did right in his life? Uh, be the grandson of the guy in charge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very, very Austin Dillon-esque situation. Doing Just something, making right. sure you could put the picture together there. <laughs> Not trying to give away the ending. Nah. Uh, but to the decent drivers on that team, let's see. Hamlin and, and yeah, Truex. I think you make a great point about Truex. Um, yeah, just a, a, a lovable dude who's who's been great for the sport. And um, I don't know if he said this is his last year or not. I can't keep up with that. Um, you said Hamlin, Gibbs, Truex. 
Christopher Bell in the twenty. Oh yeah, Christopher. Oh yeah, the dirt last track driver, up, like surprising runner up last year. Or no, he dirt was track racer, dirt. man. So yeah, you you know he knows how to drive a race car because he can drive on dirt. And so I, I don't know if he's a title contender, but he's had a nice career, and so uh, he's the one to cheer for. I, Truex, obviously, but the other one would be um, Christopher Bell from his background. Also, uh, Travis Pastrana will allegedly be trying to race the for that 2311 racing XI racing team. So in 67, Travis Pastrana trying to get into 500. But there you have it. Those are kind of the top names. We talked through most of the, the major contenders. If you guys had to put money down today, who's your who are your championship picks? If I had to put money down, I'd just go Chase Elliott. We got our our draft online out of the way. I, I picked Kyle Larson. It's hard for me not to pick him. Um just because of, of the success that he's had. Um, I don't know anybody that is a better driver than him. And so Kyle Larson's my pick. Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott's probably the smart pick. I would maybe go Kyle Larson, but let me be crazy here and just, uh, you know what? I'm going to do it. I say it every year. Let's, let's give Ryan Blaney a shot. He's going to rise to the top. I hope you're right. He deserves it. He's a good dude. Any other NASCAR talk we need to get to? That crap that they did at the Coliseum last week was such a joke. Like (laughs) they couldn't go more than three laps without a caution. That's embarrassing. I wanted to get into it. I wanted to like it last year and I I tried. It was just it kind of, yeah, it it wasn't matching up. The cars and the dirt and the size of the track were not meshing. Shannon, when Stenhouse wins the Daytona 500, I'm already planning on what type of thing I'm going to send to you and say to you. So Um, hopefully in the next 10 days or whatever, I can think of something really good. I imagine you will. I have all the faith. We should have had the odds for the Daytona 500 winners pulled up while we were talking about this. Missed the boat on that one. I also looked up Ty Gibbs and he looks like he's 13. (laughs) Is he old enough to drive a car? (laughs) You brought this age limit. Do you need a driver's license to participate in NASCAR? I thought about this earlier when I was doing research for this. I looked at Ty Gibbs and I had the exact same thought. Like, who is this little kid who's going to drive a NASCAR? But so many of these guys look like that now, even like Christopher Bell and uh, William Byron. A lot of these guys, they just look so young. And maybe it's because I'm older than, you know, when I was seven years old watching these guys. But they used to look like kind of surly, you know, maybe out of shape. Now the drivers all look like these young kids. And, you know, where's my where's my guys who are going to look like Michael Waltrip and Dale Jarrett and Ricky Rudd. Not enough cigarettes, probably, for these, these young people. <laughs> you look at, like, their height and weight on Wikipedia, however much that's worth, but, like, 5'8", 150 pounds. Like, that's not a NASCAR driver. <laughs> like, How much do you suppose Adam weighed when he started racing? <laughs> go ahead. No, go, no, you go. I was just going to ask if Kevin could name any of the last five Daytona 500 winners. <sighs> Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have McDowell. Wow. That is not the name like I thought that. we would pull out. The reason I remember that pole. because like two days later, Nathan drafted him in the Webby like, right after he, <laughs> when he won that. So that, that, remind, that would stick out to me. Um, so I got one. Let's see, the other five, did Keselowski win recently? No. Keselowski ever won? He may have had one way back in the day. I don't think Keselowski's ever won it. Elmora, El did he win? Nope. 
No, then I don't know. I'll give up. I don't want to keep just randomly guessing. Denny Hamlin had two. Austin Sindrick had one. Austin Dillon had one. And Kurt Busch had one. So proving that anybody can win the 500. If McDowell, Sindrick, and Dillon can do it. Feeling good about Stenhouse. <laughs> like where we're going here. Plus 3,000 on Stenhouse. Right? I, might, I might just put like 50 cents on him just so I can uh, really celebrate once he wins. So you got there's, – there's four co-favorites – for the yeah. 500, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Denny Hamlin. I mean, those make sense. Hamlin's just really good at Daytona and the rest of your favorites. Um, Stenhouse's best finish at Daytona is he finished seventh in 2014. So Travis Pastrana is plus 10,000 to win. I mean, that's worth a dollar. <laughs> no, it's I just not. Put my, uh, my money on a Stenhouse, so I can't, I can't be doing other crazy bets. I like looking back at old NASCAR. See these names, David Reagan, David Gillen, Michael Annette, Parker Kligerman. AJ Allmendinger is still racing. Yeah, man. Dinger's got a full-time ride in the 16. How was Terry Labonte racing in 2014? What happened? I think he had a provisional to use. <laughs> kind of like Derek Cope was in it a couple years ago. He had a provisional. All right. Anything else we need to get to on this week's show? It's a lot later in your guys' world than it is in mine. I'm really excited that last year at our, my favorite episode that we do of the year draft night episode that um, we talked about how sauce Gardner was going to wreck the NFL and how Derek Stingley jr. Sucks. And then sauce Gardner wins the defensive rookie of the year. And Derek Stingley jr. Maybe played in three games. Yeah. I don't think I've heard his name the entire season and completely forgot he existed until you just said that to be fair. How much Houston Texans did you hear about this year? Doesn't matter. They were on the defense was on the field every play of the game, and he still didn't do anything. All right, now I need now I need to look this up. I got the uh, draft results. So Stingley went three, and Sauce Gardner went four. Right, because Kevin and I I remember Kevin and I both telling you that the Texans were going to screw that up, and they did, and that the Jets were going to come out of that draft looking like rock stars, and they did. So. Sauce played 17 games. Stingley played in nine. Stingley had 35 tackles to Sauce's 51, two interceptions to one. But Stingley has a sack and Sauce Gardner has zero. So, And Sauce Gardner is an all-pro and Stingley <laughs> played in nine games. So that's very exciting for him. Two, there are two pro- one sack. There were two Good Pro job. Bowlers from this year's draft. Do you know who they are? Pro Bowlers? Yeah. Sauce Gardner Pro Bowler. Did I give it Plus, to him? Sauce is one. So a rookie. Um, Tyler Linderbaum. Wilson. Neither of those are correct. Mm. Also on. Also a defensive back though. A defensive back rookie. Tariq Woolen, Seattle Seahawks. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a hell of a good season. Six interceptions. Yeah, they drafted well too. Thank you all for joining us on this. Fun to get NASCAR mixed in here. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about NASCAR and talk about the Super Bowl. We'll come back in a couple of weeks, see if I can get these two to commit to a NCAA wrestling episode. Talk about some NBA, NFL offseason. We'll need to do some free agency and some draft. And we'll have all that for you. Thank you all for joining us. Go Chiefs, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.